Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Rashawn, and I'm here with Mella, Josh, and Lacey. First of all, thank you so much for being here. If you have the time, if you have the initiative, hit like, subscribe, follow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, find us on the podcast platform of your choice, and hit uh, five stars or the thumbs up button or this shit's fire. Whatever button is available to you. <laughs> if you find it in your heart to support this endeavor, uh, we love what we do. We could always use the support. Find us on buymeacoffee.com slash WCA. Uh, that support would mean the world. You just being here means everything. Hell yeah. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hi, How we doing? We doing. We doing. We doing. We doing a well. whale. Big extravaganza episode. I'm ready. I got. Oh, this is my app, y'all. This is my app. <laughs> I got my cold toddy and I'm ready to par- potty. Par- Josh, party. that is just Jameson it's with just, a squirt it's just of lemon. Whiskey on the rocks. <laughs> there's a little, there's a splash of water in there too. Any honey? Literally a splash. There's a little water, uh, some, uh, there's ice. I've seen you make this. It's Jameson. And I cut off like a quarter of a lemon and I squeeze it and just drop the whole slice in there. So like, Jameson. <laughs> with, a, with a splash of water. And some lemon. See, there, it's a cold toddy. <laughs> I'm actually I'm drinking to... a hot toddy tonight. So uh, you've read the title of the episode. You press play. You're here. This is our top films of 2022. 2022, I think, was the year of uh, the blockbuster, maybe? Question mark? There have been sequels, remakes, there have been big swings, there have been epic fails, action, horror, comedy, romance, biopics, beautiful animation. We're here, we're giving you my favorite type of episode, Alistico. First things first, let's do a bit of a check-in, as we have done the past three years. We set some uh, resolutions, some cinematic goals for each of us as cinephiles. I think it would be best if we start, if we work our way up to the most successful. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Who can Um, that be? (laughs) So, uh, I I don't know, flip a coin. Who would like to go first? Me. Okay, great. I did terribly. (laughs) I don't think I've done worse at a resolution. Mine was to watch more... uh, under the radar, indie, whatever, non-publicized movies. And I did so bad. Because here's the thing. This was such a good year for video games. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Uh, Half my year was spent playing Elden Ring. And the other half was spent playing God of War Ragnarok. uh, Let alone everything else that came in between. So by the time I stopped playing those, I had fallen behind on all the good TV that was out. Because we're in a fucking platinum era of TV right now. So I had to catch up on all the TV, and then movies would be dropping. I bombed horribly on my resolution. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry okay. about it. It's okay. Honesty is the best policy. But I beat the shit out of Melania and Elden Ring. Uh, big ups to, to Millennium. <laughs> Shout out to you. That was 2022. Do you have a new goal? Yeah, I, I want to make one achievable this time. Okay, what is it? It's really simple. Those are, Some of you are already doing it, so uh, keep your judgment at the door. But I realized after doing the letterbox wrapped that I logged only like only the stuff we did for this and maybe the stuff we all saw together. A good third of the movies I watched didn't get logged. I'm also chronically online, so I want to take some of the time I spend on the toxic social media sites like Twitter and spend more time on Letterboxd. I want to log everything I watch. I want to uh, reach out and be part of the Letterboxd community. I want to read more reviews. I think when it comes to something like art, the more opinions you can ingest, the better. So I want to be active on Letterboxd. I think that's a good one for you. And uh, to hold myself accountable, I just bought Pro. So <laughs> there we go. That's great. Okay. More active on Letterboxd for Joshua Vetter. Okay, that would make you next, beautiful Mella. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah. I definitely bit off more than I could have ever chewed with mine. <laughs> it was a great idea for no, someone. It, wasn't. it was for someone. No. Yes, for someone that was not me. I think it, it was even good for you. You just didn't do it. Yeah. No, I just like don't have enough time, I feel like, to do what I... So what I chose was to watch all the filmography from Kate Winslet and Natalie Portman. If I would have just chose one of those women, yeah, it would have been doable. But two, that's insane. No. But you, I, posting your letterbox wrapped, you watched like 200 plus. I, they haven't made that many movies so that's, I feel like you could definitely do it right but that's you have to take into the account take into account that I'm like watching the movies for the pod and then like mm. you know movies that I just want to see and then plus their movies like that mm. it's just like a lot but you pick one of them yeah. yeah exactly and it shouldn't have been Natalie Portman because Star Wars Star Wars yeah and Marvel yeah maybe one day maybe one day we'll we'll bring it back around <laughs> But just like Josh, I am choosing something this year that I think is more attainable, more achievable. And I am going to watch at least once a month a movie from old Hollywood from the year 1920 to 1960s. Mm. Um, this is something I kind of always wanted to do because I feel like obviously those are some movies that have such big inspirations to movies that we are watching now and will continue to watch that go over my head sometimes and then Rashawn will be like oh yeah that's from um blah 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 blah, blah. and I'm like <laughs> never seen it the so, Hitchcock classic exactly <laughs> so I'm like there's definitely some movies that I like should watch because they're staples but there's some that I'm I just want to watch because they look they look delightful so so you're looking at at least 12 then I have to see 12 okay. if I see more then cool next would be myself I gave myself the daunting task of watching a movie a week, which I, I do, but <laughs> for some reason I didn't do this. wanted a movie from the Criterion channel once a week at least. So that was 52 movies. 
I got to 26, so I did half. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Didn't make it. Got halfway there. Totally cool. Still have the Criterion subscription. We'll continue to watch. They just put some Hitchcock on there. But it was good. I, I really liked this resolution. I wish I had more time. But also, I guess I just said this to Mel. Like, I think I watched almost like 300 movies and I couldn't do 52 of my resolution. But I loved the movies that I saw. And I was really glad there was some a lot of queer content on Criterion. A lot of underrepresented queer content that I never would have heard about or seen if I hadn't been on the on the channel, on the app. So I'm glad I did it. But for next year, there was a documentary that I almost put on my list for this episode. It's a Netflix documentary called Is That Black Enough For You? It is uh, written, directed, and narrated by Elvis Mitchell, who's a brilliant historian and film writer. And it just kind of tracks the ascension of Black representation in film from about 1920s, 30s onward through the 70s. And there is a staggering amount of films that were mentioned in the documentary. I loved, I loved the actual documentary. I actually started watching it again just to like start writing them down, realized that I had a letterbox, and I found a list of every single film mentioned in the documentary. So that's my goal. I'm not saying that I'll watch every single one of those movies, but I have a list of over 170 films uh, that star or created by or mention or highlight black cinema. And so I'm just going to start to chip away at that list and um, just eat up more content as a cinephile. So nice. Cool. Is that black enough for you in 2023? It will be. Which leads us to the person who completely fulfilled their resolution. Hell yeah. To only watch new movies. Lacey? This was my, like, favorite year of media consumption ever. I am a chronic rewatcher. I love my comfort movies. I love my comfort shows. I love to rewatch things. And... This year, making my resolution to only watch new content to me truly changed the way I consumed media. You know, they say it takes 30 days to form a habit. You know, I thought by the time I got to October, I would be fiending for a rewatch or holiday watches. And there were some that I definitely did rewatch during the holiday time, but I have found myself the last three, four months especially that I've quote-unquote allowed myself a rewatch not wanting to (laughs) and wanting to have something new to me on the TV. If a whole year is too much for you, I totally understand, but like make a goal to watch something new to you once a month, once a week. Um, something you've never seen before. There is so much media out there now. There's no excuse not to consume new content. I am excited to have that a little more lax this year, but I don't foresee it being anything like it used to be as far as rewatches go for me. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you created a new habit. Yeah. 
for this year, my resolution this year is to not spend extra money on renting media. We spend money on our AMC cards. We're AMC Stubbs members. We are subscribed to every freaking streaming service that there is, and I still wind up spending an excessive amount of money renting movies just because they're not available on my streaming service yet. Some things don't come to streaming services, so I want to maybe give myself a budget of $20 for the year. For the year? How about a month? How about a month? Yeah. A month? No, you guys, like, that's what I spend a month now. Well, when you rent something, it's like 10 bucks. So like, Not always. Like, an average yeah, like rental is six. like five ninety nine. So for the year. 20 for the year for for extra spending. That's not saying I can't watch new things because new things come to streaming services all the time. We have our AMC stubs. I can go to the theater and see new things right. in the theater. Like we just rented Violent Night for $20. Didn't need to. You know what oh. I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was like 60 No, it was $19.99. It was less than 20 <laughs> But you, it was in the theater for free. Exactly. Yeah. Is the point. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that is hot. That is hot. I love me over it. I know. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Wasn't your entire list last year rentals? 2020. 2020. 2020 was, was entirely awesome. VOD rentals. But that was also that like was peak pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. I had so. to. Yeah. Like the other one. I know, but I like to set hard goals, so I achieve them. Um, what about me? What? Now that's my resolution too. <laughs> no, yeah, you can buy whatever you want. <laughs> By default. Want. Okay, have fun in the other room. She says, "Stay out of my wallet." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm giving myself a spending limit of twenty dollars for rentals for the full year of 2023. My goodness. Okay. How about 25? I don't know why we're we're. <laughs> We're bidding on your resolution. We're getting ready, ready for the. Let the me bid half. on it. God damn. Josh, you can rent whatever you want. But then, she's, do you she's have to go in the other room? Watch then? it. I'm not. Oh my gosh, I'm not saying. She, how often do you rent stuff? We don't. Josh, that Lacey doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, Joshua. <laughs> can I still rent video games? <laughs> When have you ever this rented a video game? You buy every game. What's that got to do with WCA? <laughs> She's right. I just buy them. Uh, you guys are already making me sweaty. Well, first of all, congrats, Lacey. We're very proud of you. Thank you. And yes. Secondly, you have it for new resolutions for 2023. Uh, we'll check back in around May or June to see how everyone's doing. Hey, let's start with something I'm calling our WCA highlight. So we have a list of five movies, top movies of 2022, but this is outside of that list. This could be a performance. This could be a technical achievement. This could be a scene, a an exchange of dialogue. What is your WCA highlight of 2022? Mine is an opening. I kind of forgot about it during our opening episode but also it's i wanted to talk about it on its own this is not hyperbole i'm a 
I'm a hyperbolic person. It, this is not an exaggeration. I've never been more scared in a theater than this scene. And that is the opening scene to Jordan Peele's Nope. The initial Gordy's home scene was so unnerving and so tense. But the, the split second where Gordy spikes the camera, I like... I actually got chills in the theater. I don't really scare that easy in the theater. I don't, like, I love haunted houses and scary movies. Like, I don't, I, I kind of separate myself pretty easily. It, it, it triggered something very primal in me. Like, I got viscerally frightened, and I felt it, like, down my spine. That opening scene in Nope, I think, is one of the most finely crafted openings and horror sequences I've ever seen. It gives me chills. Uh, shouts out to Terry Notary. I think that's how you say his last name. He played Gordy. He did the mocap for Gordy and Nope, and he was phenomenal. Really good. I feel like I can't fully categorize mine. I, it is a tie between cinematography, set design, and costuming. Um, so I'm going to go with just aesthetic for Werewolf by Night. Yes. On Disney+. Plus. Very, very nice. It's a 45-minute little standalone on Disney Plus from Marvel. Was so taken aback by the black and white and grayscale cinematography of it all with its random red highlights, you know, for emphasis. I was so visually struck by Werewolf by Night that I almost didn't even care what was happening on, on screen because I just thought it looked so cool it was so different it was so immersive and like visceral like it it really spoke to the tone of the script and the story it paid homage to old hollywood monster movies while being its own modern day thing i just loved every minute of it my wc highlight is actually the last I watched before we did this episode. Hmm. Um, it's the ending to Park Chan Wook's decision to leave. Park Chan Wook is the man. Just the man. Uh, old boy, <laughs> Lady Vengeance, uh, the handmaiden, Stoker. He just knows how to make a fucking good movie. And so I was really, really excited for this one. Thank God I didn't make that resolution because I had to rent it. Um, <laughs> but it was it was Hitchcock by way of Park Chan Wook, which is even just even more scrumptious. Um, I can't really get into the details of the ending except to say that it completely saved the movie for me. I wasn't completely in love with it, um, but it's a noir. It's a murder mystery. It's a romance, and then the ending just kind of seals the deal. So if you see it, can't wait for you to check out the ending. But mm-hmm. uh, Decision to Leave is great. So it's Park Chan Wook. Mine is also from Nope. Yeah, to like bookend it, mine's towards the end. And it's a scene. It's the scene when Emerald has kind of like freed from Jean Jacket, mm-hmm. and she's waiting to see if OJ is like getting away. And she looks up, and like you just see a cloud of smoke. And then you see OJ sitting on the horse, Mm. imitating their great, great, great grandfather from the very beginning. And you have like that old Western 
score beneath it and he just looks so majestic when I first saw it I I wanted to cry and I think it was just like oh my god yes he got away and it just showed their relationship and like the the tears in her eyes like it was just so like such an easy emotional moment that was captured so fucking cool the hero of our story gets the total hero picture on this huge screen yeah nope was fucking sick mm-hmm. nope was fucking <laughs> sick fucking amazing. Like, it's not showing up on my list so i want to say something right now yeah it was fucking sick yeah. <laughs> i saw it twice and i i, I ate it up i was because we did our summer episode and i was almost jumped <laughs> when i said i didn't know how i felt about it but i went back and I've changed. <laughs> He's like changed. I like it a lot. We call that growth. We've kind of come to blows on the mic and off the mic about I'm a very reactionary person. I make my decisions quick, fast, and I stick my heel into the dirt. And you're, Rashawn, you're kind of the opposite. Yeah. And 2022 has been a year of growth. I've I've come to understand that and I've come to accept that. When we leave a movie and I want to know your opinion, I might not get it right away. He needs some time to cook. Mm-hmm. Marinate. Sean, 2023, let him cook. Put it. <laughs> but for real, let him cook because he can fuck that shit up in the Chef kitchen. in no, the real. kitchen. Little baby let sliders. Mm, fuck, pasta. dude. Mac and cheese, I'll give you a million dollars. The sliders for me, dude. Those Hawaiian roll sliders. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we doing here? Almost to the list. Uh, people are like, this. the title of this movie said the top 20 films. <laughs> they ain't talked about not name. Not okay. Hey, Skippers. Um, how are you? Thanks for catching up with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a timestamp in the show notes. Don't worry. Honorable mentions. We only have five. So we each get uh, one movie to mention very quickly. WCA staple honorable mention in two words. I will go. My honorable mention is Wakanda Forever. Mm. Two words. Angela Bassett. Come on. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the two words. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's it. Mother. Yeah. One word. I fixed it. Mommy, mother. Angela Bassett or Queen Mother. <laughs> you take your pick. My honorable mention is Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inishirin. My two words are bleak and hilarious. <laughs> Just like you, my love. <laughs> Just like me, baby. <laughs> my two words are tangerine and lemon from Bullet Train. <laughs> yeah! Nice. Where's their prequel movie, dude? I know. Let's just see it. Give me the whole thing. I really wish I knew if one of these was on one of y'all's list, but I'm just going to go. Listen, the theme for my list this year is healing my inner child, just so you all know. Her. That is my Shouts list Shouts out this to Lacey's year. therapist. Thank you, Jennifer <laughs> Collins, my amazing therapist. Love you so much. I feel like that's every episode you host. It really is. But this is like, but this one I don't have to fight about it. I just get to share. (laughs) Yeah. This is nice. Um, My honorable mention is the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. My two words for it are instant classic. There we did it. 
Shall we get to a list? Oh my god. Let's get to this little listicle. Ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about our number five movies of the year and Joshua. My number five movie is Gina Prince by the Woods, The Woman King. I think probably pound for pound the best action movie of the year in terms of set pieces and action sequences anchored with shockingly good performances. Like, obviously, it's Viola Davis, Lashana Lynch, John Boyega. They're going to put in incredible work whenever they're in a movie. But I think this is some of their best work in a long, long time. Start to finish, this movie was tense. It was exciting. It was shot incredibly. There were a lot of really nice moments of levity. There was some good humor in it. And again, you can tell just how much work the entire cast especially Viola put in to make these action sequences as authentic as possible. And it pays off in leaps and bounds. I'm so glad that movie theaters are back and that we got to see this in the theater because it was a spectacle. Number five, The Woman King. My number five is The Fallout by Megan Park. This is starring Jenna Ortega, who I feel like this was a year of Jenna Ortega. For um, sure. Yeah. This is about the aftermath of a school shooting, which is already like a very touchy subject. And I feel like this flick really handles it with like such care. You'll hear me say this later in the episode, but I've come to know and love that I love a good slice of life movie. And I think that this is what it is. And it is a it's about teens in a very adult situation. The writing and the acting and the directing are all seamless in it. We've talked about this before when we watch movies that are clearly from a different generation than we're in, we kind of have a disconnect. But I feel like with this movie, it was really easy to connect even when things, when the writing wasn't really something that would come out of my mouth, but I, I could understand. Um, because it was all like a very human situation that the characters were in. I can't wait to see more of Jenna. I think she's a fucking star. My number five movie is the Bob's Burgers movie. I won't say too much about it. Uh, what I put on Letterboxd sums up my feelings completely. And then I'll jump in, Josh, when you're talking about it later. The Bob's Burgers movie was not a movie that I asked for and not a movie that I necessarily wanted, but it is everything I needed from a TV show that Josh and I have watched from the beginning and have loved. It was perfect. Lisa, you said there was a theme to your list. I think I also have a theme. The theme of my list is loving movies. I think 2022, I had kind of a dark moment of the soul (laughs) where I had to like re-examine if this is where I want to be if this is what I want to do and I feel like the top these five movies kind of solidified that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing I'm gonna be honest y'all this movie should have been my number one but I didn't have the guts to do it (laughs) oh god so it's five it's number five It's the movie I was most looking forward to. It's the movie I've watched the most in 2022. It's the movie I will watch the most going out of 2022. 
I gotta be me. At the end of the day, I gotta be me. You gotta do it. You gotta do it for you, Rashawn. My number five is Scream. Yes! Okay, of course. Of course. We had a whole episode about it. I won't belabor it. I love Scream. Scream is me. Scream is life. (laughs) Kind of bittersweet because now with uh, more news coming out about the next installment, this might be the last one that has, that features Nev Campbell. So that kind of makes it a special entry to me. Um, who knows what might happen beyond six. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Scream is my number five. Staying true to myself. I love horror yeah. movies. Scream loves horror movies. Boom. That's, Jenna was in that too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Jenna Ortega. Come on. What a year, man. Seriously. She was good Scream. in X too. She was in X? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. She was fucking good. Um, number four, I'm up first. Uh, my number four movie of the year is a movie called After Sun. Josh kind of talks about this where I, I don't have an immediate reaction after I see a movie. And I feel like this movie was so specifically made for that thought process. I can't say watching it was like the most rewarding experience or the most entertaining or perfect, but I think as I've thought about it after long after it just kind of stays and deepens and really strengthens in my, in my mind. And that is such a unique effect. I don't know. Charlotte Wells, I think this is her debut feature. It's a story about a father and a daughter. It's so simple, but what uh, Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio were able to do as father and daughter is so special and so intimate and quiet. I just really, really loved it, and um, it jumped all the way from, like, 15 to <laughs> number four. Wow. Uh, I just really wanted to talk about it, and um, it's special. Yeah, I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. Yay. I want to yeah. see it now. My number four, I think it'll be surprising that it's four, but not surprising that it's on my list, is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That is surprising. That is surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is surprising. If I am gone for a long, long time, I'll pack away a fine piece of shine. The sounds of birds jumping with bells, draw rings of plums to bags of shells, the smell of bread, a drum. Pinocchio, I can confidently say, was my least favorite story as a child. It never resonated with me before. But told through the lens of Guillermo del Toro, who treats animation with such care and adoration and specificity. And then Guillermo del Toro, who also has to add many more layers of tragedy and humanity and love in all of its beautiful shades and some weird fucked up horror elements too. Um, (laughs) I just had such an amazing time sitting in the theater and watching this movie. 
it, from the one of the first things that happens when Pinocchio comes to life is this weird Mary Shelley Frankenstein-esque scene where Pinocchio is figuring out his body as a wooden Dude. puppet and he's like spinning his head around like exorcist style and you know crawling on all fours like a monster and it's so bizarre but it's exactly what the spirit of a little boy would be doing in that situation of just coming alive and only in the way that Guillermo del Toro could do it it gets very cerebral and dark but overall as a film I walked away from this movie with such a deep understanding and appreciation for life and friendship and love and what it means to live for the people that you love. I love Guillermo del Toro so much. I just love him so much. So that Pinocchio learning how to walk scene crazy was maybe the maybe the hardest i've ever laughed in a movie this year <laughs> unsettling it's really unsettling oh it was awesome <laughs> documentary time my number four is the documentary good night oppie directed by ryan white good night oppie is a documentary about the mars rover opportunity a lot of people out there would say oh they're just robots but once we turned them on for the first time, they became so much more than just robots on another planet. Opportunity was a rover who got sent to Mars in 2003 to study Mars, to check out the landscape, as well as the Mars rover Spirit. They were designed to run and gather information and, and send it back to Earth for 90 days. Opportunity stayed working for 15 years. And so it's the story of Opportunity, who is affectionately nicknamed Oppie, and the team that created her and her twin sister, Spirit, and operated them for 15 years. It's not deep at all, but it kind of is because it's it's such a showcase of human spirit and like what humans are capable of. And it just follows these people who are truly living their dream lives. These are people who dreamed about working for NASA and exploring Mars and they're getting to. It's the most optimistic documentary I've ever watched. It's really lovely. It's on Amazon Prime. It's short. It's like hour 45. I highly recommend it if you're ever in the mood to just watch something nice. It's just, it's so sweet. You'll get attached to opportunity and spirit just the same way that their their teams did. And it's just, it's really joyful. I loved it. Good night, Oppie. I forgot to, to mention something really important about Good Night, Oppie. Narrated by Angela Bassett. Oh, shit. <laughs> now what? I know I couldn't finish it. Um, <laughs> not because like it's it? bad. Not because it's bad. No, I, I really like documentary. It. I mean, it's yeah. it's not. That's the thing. It's not like gripping. There's no really like inciting incident. 
I also am a space. You love science. Not like nothing wrong with documentary. It is. I'm the. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) We've talked about it. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of just nice and delightful, my number four is The Fablemans. Wow. Um, Yeah. Are you wow at it being on my list or that it's number four? I'm I'm surprised it's on your list. I think that's awesome. I saw it just like a couple days ago. I feel like, I mean, it's a classic Spielberg feel good movie. It's just like a a coming of age story with a classic Hollywood flair. What's not to love about that? I think the performances in it are amazing. I think the, Rashawn, help me out here with his name. Gabriel LaBelle. Yes. So, so so good. Just like, so went in there, did the damn thing. I know there was like talks about like Michelle Williams and like her performance. Either you like it or you don't. I I really liked it. I know Lacey and Josh were like <laughs> tag me in, tag me in. <laughs> um, I think she like had a very specific idea of the character that she was playing, and like I don't think we even know who that person is. I don't even care honestly to know who it is. It's but I think there's like something so cool about like her performance and she was like maybe on a totally different speed than the rest of the family. But I think that was a part of her character. So yeah, I, I really loved it. I turned it off and I was like, wow, that was very sweet. That was just like so lovely. Um, what Josh said about the documentary is just like sometimes you just want to watch something nice. Like it doesn't even have to be all that in a bag of chips, which this was but it's just like sometimes we just want to watch something nice i don't want to watch this like huge family drama or a thriller or a slasher i just want to turn something on and just feel delightful at the end of it and i think that's how the editing machine works while you do this it'll make your mom feel better yeah that last night when she danced in the headlights that'd be great get to it tomorrow okay um Tomorrow's when we start shooting. <laughs> Escape to nowhere. We're shooting all weekend. Shooting Dad, this weekend. We got like forty guys coming to be in the movie. I'll, I'll work on all the camping trips up on Monday. I'm asking you to do this now for your mom. Yeah, She's... and I said that I will, just not tomorrow. Don't Please. be selfish. She just lost her mother. That's more important than your hobby. Dad, can you stop calling it a hobby? It'll cheer her up watching this. It's something we can her do. Her mom to, just to... died. It's, it's, how is that going to cheer her up? Because you made it for her. Yeah, I'll go next since The Fablemans is my number three movie. This is the one that just, I don't know, it just like turned me inside out. I loved it so, 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 so much. It's a movie about making movies and... um when you have like one of the greatest to ever do it, just kind of sit down and explain to you why he loves to do it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Three, four, five hours. Just do it. There are just some really great sequences where you just feel like you're in the hands of a master. And I've come out on this pod as a, as a Spielberg head. (laughs) (laughs) And this is just him doing what he does best. I know it's schmaltzy. I know it's completely earnest. Mm-hmm. But at, somehow in the same way it's removed from reality, mm-hmm. it's a fable. And I just 
ate it up. I love what Michelle is doing, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen's really good, but um, there's a scene that ripped me apart and I was sobbing and it's a very short scene. It's Judd Hirsch's only scene. Um, comes in and just kind of explains why you need to make art and on the importance of that to this one character, but also for Steven Spielberg or for anyone who's come before or after him. Art will give you crowns in heaven and laurels on earth, but it'll tear your heart out and leave you lonely. You'll be a shunder for your loved ones, an exile in the desert, a gypsy. Art is no game. Art is dangerous as a lion's mouth that'll bite your head off. I don't know. I haven't stopped thinking about it. I would love if he... I know I'm all Kiwi Kwan, but I would love if he at least got a nomination. Absolutely. <laughs> he is I think he's got incredible yeah, in that moment. That scene yeah. was... That scene, that scene literally the ended, and I leaned over to Josh, and I went, supporting actor right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, the yeah, scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is just a perfect Spielberg to me. I'm biased, but Gabriel LaBelle, if he was 34, he'd probably be up for best actor, but he's very young. Mm-hmm. I think he's very way ahead of the pack for me and best actor, but I love this movie. I love what this movie says. I love what it means. And uh, it just like reinvigorated me as a, as a filmmaker and a writer and everything. So I loved it. Yeah. yeah. To chime in, it's not on my list, but I do want to chime in. I think, I think that, for me, the best parts of that movie were about movies. Like that movie really soared when it was talking about movies and making movies and art and the family drama. Yes, but like when Steven got to really flex and we like talk about movies, it's unmatched. Yeah, because I've heard I've talked to other people and I was like, yeah, the family stuff not as much, but I, to me at least, I feel like he's able to weave those two together. There's a phenomenal scene in the closet with Michelle Williams where it's like he brings those two together. This character can only communicate through movies. Mm -hmm. And he tells this heartbreaking world ending secret to his mother with a movie. And I, I just thought that was brilliant. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I agree. So so good. Thanks uncle Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my number three, which I think is going to be on a couple other lists is, Everything, everywhere. It's my number three, too. That's my number three. Look at that energy. Three for three. Let's go. Let's Um, talk about it. I mean, we can all say something. I I feel like what hasn't been said, I started off the pod by saying like this year in movies was like inspirational. The, The three movies that I listed, I feel like I got something out of each of them. And I feel like this movie to me is like, write whatever the fuck you want. Yes. And make it happen. Yes. Because people want to see that. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's weird. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to the people that are in your writer's group or to your best friend or to your mom. It matters that it makes sense to you because there's Mm -hmm. other people that are going to connect with that and just fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. If it's good and you give a shit. Yep. That's it. I mean, y'all know me. I'm a comics guy. But it was such a relief. Like, 2021 was kind of dominated. It had to be by the big budget, by the comic book movies, by the sequels. 
because it kind of had to be that movies were just kind of crawling back and theaters did whatever they had to do to get people in the seats but to kind of open 2022 with this weird all asian american cast like totally original fairly new directors to blow everyone out of the water with this movie Mm -hmm. was such a like a breath of fresh air and such a relief and so inspiring and Mm -hmm. exciting and Mm -hmm. like and like the comeback of kihu kwan like Mm -hmm. and stephanie sue's like kind of breakout performance like top to bottom everything about this movie was just like exciting and inspiring i think Mm -hmm. what was exciting about sitting in the theater i know we all keep saying exciting but like this movie really was because we all went into it not knowing what it was gonna be and Mm -hmm. they threw everything at us they threw fucking hot dog fingers they threw you know a, a looking into a bagel they threw a full butt plugs. Butt plugs. I mean, rocks. <laughs> they threw a whole scene of just two rocks on a cliff, and I, mm-hmm. I really have to like that scene solidified to me that this movie. I mean, we saw this movie in what January, February. Like, mm-hmm. I knew then that this movie would be on my list because of that scene. This movie is about. It's about generational trauma. It's about self-acceptance. It's about self-love and familial love and respect. Somebody is going to identify with something in it. Any scene in particular could stand out to a different person and resonate with a different person because of what's happening on screen. What scene resonated with everybody here? For my money, one of the most touching lines and line deliveries in a movie I've seen in recent memory or ever. Kihi Kwan's uh, laundry and taxes. Yeah. Mm. That hit me like a semi truck. I was like, <laughs> whole if he gets the Oscar, that is just fine for that scene alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the rock scene, I, w- I was mm-hmm. like, am I choking up? And there's like no dialogue. And there's some fucking googly eyes on some rocks. Literally. (laughs) Like, what is going on? But I think that is, like, what you were saying, Lacey. Like, there's literally something for everybody. You are getting fat. And you never call me, even though we have a family plan. And it's free. You only visit when you need something. You got a tattoo. And I don't care if it's supposed to represent our family. You know I hate tattoos. And of all the places I could be... Why would I want to be here with you? Yes, you're right. That doesn't make sense. Evelyn, Bishola, Gola. Let her finish. Maybe it's like you said. Maybe there is something out there, some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this noise. And why? No matter what, I still want to be here with you. I will always, always want to be here with you. Uh, the only reason this is not on my list is because we're doing top five and not top ten. I, I 
do i love this movie i saw it like several times in the theater like the Wong Kar Wai influence in that setting and that scene but i would probably say stephanie Sue's entrance yes oh one for the books hot dude the whole like you're are you telling me no are you telling me i can't and then just changing (laughs) costumes and killing beating people with dildos it's just insane and like i think what mel said like almost choked me up a little bit because it's like yeah write what you want and people and if you care about it enough people will come and that's just yeah that that's the best takeaway mm-hmm. yeah Let's look at that synergy wow that was awesome so before we get to our number two movie of the year let's talk about some performances best actor since this is such a nice episode we usually save the fighting for small small moments and this is one of those four choices go in one choice will come out whoa wait this is news huh? that's how we did it this last we year do it oh i don't care uh, <laughs> if i had known this was a competition i might have changed my mind but i don't care i gotta be me okay i also gotta make an announcement uh, to the world mm, oh god he's gonna own it there's been a drastic change in the hierarchy of my affection for white men for white men <laughs> brad pitt is no longer my number one <gasps> sean put mm. like a crowd like <gasps> i'm just gonna use that one and amplify it like three times. <gasps> <laughs> my number one had Almost as good a year as Jenna Ortega, Batman, to After Yang, to my choice for best actor, both in 2022 and in my own personal point of view forever, until he gets usurped. Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inishirin. I think he toes such an incredible line of personal and and real but he also is able to to really martin mcdonough is not an easy writer to kind of land he lands him perfectly and makes his character seem like a real person i could have said colin farrell's a penguin i don't give a shit he was incredible (laughs) in that too but my choice is the banshees of initiative colin farrell as banshee (laughs) if i've done something to you just tell me what I've done to you. And if I said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was. And I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. With all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. Um, whatever. Justin Long and Barbarian. Let's Hell go! Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That's a fun one. Yes. Yeah, it's a little fun. He comes in halfway through the movie, the wildest tonal change in any movie. Nice. <laughs> Going for it in this really nasty role mm. of this very not good person. And I think the genius of the movie is that it wants to make you think it's going to redeem him and then. Fuck, it no. doesn't. He's still no. a piece of shit up To the, the end, he's a dirtbag. And he gets his comeuppance, but I think there's like a 15 to 20 minute sequence where it's just Justin Long measuring shit, Googling shit, on the phone, and he nails it. It's not 
the deepest performance of the year, but I just think he's fun. Scream King Justin Long. Hell yeah. <laughs> no surprise here. Mine is um, Austin Butler in Elvis. Waiting for that. <laughs> Are you for real? I'm for realsies. Uh, is that yours? No, I have no. to watch it. Oh. I haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> I was like, for real? Um, Say what you will about the movie. That's fine. I think he is very good in this. I think Elvis is a really um, easy character to make a caricature. And mm-hmm. I think he does really well with making him a human. So much so that he uh, stuck with it in real life. So that says something. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my choice for best actor. A lot of people saying a lot of things. Of course, you got to listen to the people that you love. But in the end, you got to listen to yourself. So I want you to know those New York people ain't going to change me none. I was bouncing back and forth between two, but I gotta go with my gut instinct, and I'm gonna say Brandon Perea and Nope as Angel Torres because he plays what could be just a throwaway comedic part with such real I hate to say realism but such realism and you know he talks about how he crafted his own character backstory for his audition and you know he's an actor who really does the work and is excited to be there and I think that really reads through in his performance what a wild list I know forgot about the the fighting part of this me too I was ready to just chill Ha, ha, ha. Be nice. Uh, time to vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rashawn, who'd you say? Justin Long. Right. <laughs> That's tempting, but I think I'm going to go Brandon Perea. I'm going to go with Austin Butler. Fuck. Mm. I'm going to go with Justin Long. I'm going to go with Justin Long. Absolutely. <gasps> Absolutely. <laughs> That was so... I did not see that coming. Not, especially not from Rashawn. Pretty handed, handedly, he won just now. I'm That's not... crazy. I, I'm not going to argue about it. He's I thought it was just going to be like a toss-off laugh. No, <laughs> no, because I have... I, that performance, though, is so specific. He also plays a similar part in a movie I just watched this year called After Class, where he all he kind of plays with his image of a really squeaky clean nice guy and he's not um uh, so podcast, wca's too. best actor of 2022 yeah. shouts out to his podcast too about that the best podcast yeah uh, our number two movies of the year my number two movie of 2022 is marcel the shell with shoes on Aww, oh, of course. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know what a great adoration I have for stop motion animation. 
and the artistry that it takes. This movie does such a great job of combining stop motion with live action and telling just a really sincere, heartfelt story about family and belonging. He's a big dreamer. I think about him and I think about the movie and the beautiful relationship between he and his grandmother and I'm just warm. I'm warm and you know I don't think it's a movie that will <laughs> will change cinema in any way shape or form but goodness it changed my year and it really touched me. Marcel the shell with shoes on number two. A little shell had me crying. Cut <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> me up. My number two movie of the year is Tar. Mm. It's partly true. Yeah, but but the end of keeping time, it's, it's, it's no small thing. But I suspect there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, well, I, I would hope so, yes. But time is the thing. Uh-huh. Time is, is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. Now, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. Now, the illusion is that, like you, I'm responding to the orchestra in real time, making the decision about the right moment to restart the thing or reset it or throw time out the window altogether. The reality is that right from the very beginning, I know precisely what time really? it is. And the exact... Todd Fields, up until this point, in my opinion, had made two of the best American films of the last 50 years with In the Bedroom and Little Children, a movie that I could have sworn everyone on this podcast loved. Especially <laughs> me, for some reason. Especially Mella. And then with Tar, again, in my opinion, he's now made three. This is just a masterful, incredible movie. Shout out to Bria who walked out. <laughs> we'll her talk out. about that. Her we'll out. talk about that off the mic. Girl, hit me up. Um, I I think it's an incredible. <laughs> I think it's an incredible feat. It's uh, an intimate story that also deals with this ep- epic public downfall of a very powerful person. And I think there's a lot of movies that try to comment on the current situation in the world, whether it be the Me Too movement or um, diversity or what have you, the, the taboo issues of the moment. And I think this movie does that in such an interesting way by putting a woman in a very powerful position mm-hmm. and commenting on that, those situations through this main character um, there's a 15, maybe 20 minute one take sequence that is just breathtaking. Um, and it's set in a classroom. It, it, you know, there's things about this that are so not flashy at all. And then there's things about this that are so showy and dynamic. Uh, it's about a female composer in the world of classical music. And that might not lend itself to a very mental thriller, but it also has those elements too. Kate. Blanchett is incredible. She can do no wrong. And I thought I had seen the extent of her brilliance up until this point. I was wrong. She's phenomenal. It's a two-way race, maybe three. 
But God damn, I love that she has a shoe in this. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win in a few months, but I would not be mad if Kate Blanchett took it. Tar is three for three. Todd Field, masterpiece. Loved it. Gotta see it. I know. Yes. Can't rent it, Lacey. Gotta wait for yeah, a Yeah, I know. <laughs> they I should be coming really any quick. day. Oh. My dues are paid, Zag. I think it might be on Peacock soon. My number two is Barbarian. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I just fucking dug this movie. I think, again, inspiration in a different type of way. It is that same feeling that I have, like, write what you want. People will love it. I went to the theater not knowing a damn thing about it. And y'all know, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, I love watching movies like that. And I think that this was the best fucking payoff. It was, like, from start to finish, just, like, I... I I felt like there were there couldn't be more, and there was just more to just like eat up every scene. I think it's really fun. It's really fucking scary. The story hasn't been done before. It's like original. Yeah, I think it's just a good a good old time at the movies. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, my number two movie never even made it to theaters. My number two movie is Prey. Oh, Dan Trackenberg. Your brother sent us to bring you home. Where is he? I saw it. Saw what? I saw what left those tracks. I couldn't see it until it was covered in blood, but it looked like... like a moop beats. You saw a monster from a children's story? Stop! Enough! (laughs) This is the Predator prequel, if you will, starring Amber Mid-Thunder as a young Comanche woman. This movie ticked every box for me it was it was suspenseful the action was crazy the performances were incredible i think amber mid thunder is a star and i think we're only going to see more and more and more and more of her as the years go on it had a dog (laughs) well like every box ticked i my biggest regret i truly think if i was able to have seen this movie in a theater or a a larger setting it might have been number one this movie went straight to Hulu. I think Dan Trachtenberg is, is uh, like Rashawn said, with, what's his name? Todd Field. Todd Field. Um, kind of close to batting a thousand. I think he knows exactly what he wants to do with his movies. I think he has an, an incredible uh, ability to blend action and suspense more than any other emotion. And I think Prey is a perfect example of that. It does such a good job of being a prequel that you don't even have to know what the Predator movies are to enjoy this movie. It's crafted so well. Loved every second of Prey. Time for another fight. One more fight before we get to our number one movies of the year. This time, Here the we go. best performance by an actress in 2022. Mia Goth. Ooh. In Pearl? In 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 Pearl and in X. What did I do wrong? Nothing. Calm down. No! Why are you leaving me? If I don't do anything wrong, I don't understand. I thought you liked me! I do like you. I just... Tell me the truth! Why are you leaving me? What did you say? Why did you change? You're scaring me, Pearl. (laughs) She's so awful, but like... 
she plays this unhinged psychosis with such empathy. (laughs) Her performance has so many layers to it. I think she is 2022's breakout star. Come on, Pearl. Uh, Josh. This should not be a shocker, but uh, my nomination is Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. The journey her character goes on, the emotions she has to hit, especially at the end of the movie with Stephanie Sue, and also the action she does. I mean, she's been doing that for fucking decades, and she's the best in the biz at it, but man, just an all-around generational performance, mm-hmm. I think, from Michelle Yeoh and Everything Everywhere All at Once. This one I'm just kind of throwing out there. Only one that's seen it, but uh, Tang Wei in Decision to Leave plays uh, a femme fatale. I think that is uh, for the ages. I just wanted to shout her out. It's okay. <laughs> you got your win. <laughs> yeah, I got my win. She's incredible. Uh, the movie kind of folds in on itself many times, and she kind of has to shoulder a lot of that. And um, Park Chan Wook knows like he knows how to write a, a, a female role and it's just uh she aces it mine is hong chow in the menu um oh, fuck i didn't like the movie but i fucking loved her <laughs> <laughs> i thought she fucking nailed it she knew what movie she was in she knew what everything about her character and i thought she was really chilling but like really comedic at the same time and yeah she was literally the best part of it can i help you sir yeah what what the hell are these these are tortillas tortillas deliciosa so what what are these these are tortillas which contain echo bright's tax records and other documents showing how your company has created invoices with fake charges how did you get these I'm sorry, but Chef never reveals his recipes. <laughs> Do you know how fucked you are? I'm gonna have this place close by the morning, do you understand? Oh, no, that won't be necessary. I liked the movie. Enjoy. I think she was the mm-hmm. best part of it, so. Michelle Yeoh. I gotta go with uh, Hong Chao. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... Tang Wei. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed, producer! okay uh michelle yo michelle yo that's it our best actress of 2022 is michelle yo everything everywhere all at once time to walk down the aisle with justin long michelle (laughs) let's go (laughs) come get your wcne (laughs) (laughs) what's it look like it looks like a, it's like a, a boxing glove. That was a fisting move. <laughs> it's a boxing oh. glove. Like a, a gold boxing glove. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Yeah. With something like weird at the very base that kind of is kind of puckering. And you're like, it looks like an explosion. What's it at the base? What's is that a rosebud at the base? What's at the base? <laughs> Shall we get to our number one? Let's, Let's do, do it. Ladies and gentlemen. Joshua, first, your number one of 2021 was Dune. Fuck yeah, it was. Part one. 
My number one is the Bob's Burgers movie. Oh, damn. Animated. I'm making an instrument out of spoons and a napkin holder and dreams and magic. Obviously, Tina. How's the burger, Bob? It's okay. I put an egg on it. Why is Dad making a burger at 8 a.m.? Is he on British time? He's making it to bring to Mr. Dowling at the bank. We have a meeting this morning, and we're going to ask for an extension on our loan payment. Oh, fun. And we really, really need to get that extension. All the restaurant equipment is wrapped up in that loan. So you're giving him a burger? Well, I mean, we can't give him money, Tina. Because we don't have any? Pretty much. How about you play him some of this? Uh, what, to scare him? No, to enchant him. Bob, you know I love this bring him a burger idea, but isn't it a little early to be making it? I mean, our appointment isn't for a while. This is a practice burger. Why are you whispering? I don't want it to hear him feel bad. Okay. Wait, Obviously I'm a little biased. I'm a lifelong Bob's Burgers fan. Even non-fans can watch it and enjoy it. I've said that since the beginning. But especially fans, they they thread the needle of homage to past characters and plot lines, but also something brand new that you've never seen in an episode. It's fucking hilarious, as the show is, obviously. It's sweet. It's got all the classic original Bob's Burgers songs. It opens with one. It's got a couple of great ones. But it's got one of the most touching moments in any movie I've ever seen. And like, granted, the payoff is way more extreme if you know the show and you know the backstory of the characters. I don't cry a lot in movies. I won't hesitate to say that I wept at this moment. <laughs> and it wasn't out of sadness. It was out of like, it was beautiful. The moment in this movie, if you've seen it, you understand. It's the hat moment. It's not giving anything away. It was so beautiful and touching and and it, it was like a, a an emotional payoff it was an emotional payoff over 10 years in the making Damn, like yeah. for a specific character or a specific thing about a character that that hasn't been addressed and it i thought it was perfect and i thought it was perfectly done i think this is one of my favorite movies of all time again i know i'm biased because it's one of my favorite shows of all time but this is the the blueprint on TV show to movie mm -hmm. making. We were obsessed with the movie after we watched it, and we watched a lot of, like, things you might have missed in the Bob Bob's Burgers movie. They did so much <laughs> to make this movie work and to have little payoffs for the diehard fans, but to also make it a universal story. All we've seen so far an animated adult comedy animated shows simpsons family guy american dad are families that just don't like each other and bob's mm -hmm. burgers asks the question okay but what if the family just likes each other and loves each mm -hmm. other and is there for each other unconditionally the way a family is supposed to be and of course there are still moments of you know, annoyance and challenges and, you know, heads butting. But ultimately, Bob's is a family that just <laughs> loves each other. And you feel that in every frame of the TV show, but you especially feel it in every frame of the movie. Y'all got me wanting to watch it. It's so good. It's, it's short, too. <laughs> it's it's under, I think it's an hour yeah. 40. Lacey, your number one of last year was Mass. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Oof, fucking Mass. That's right. What a difference a year makes. 
Uh, like I told you guys, this my list this year is the year of healing my inner child and nothing healed little Lacey oh. more <laughs> than watching Matilda. Just because you find that life's not fair doesn't mean that you just have to grin and bear it. If you always take it on the chin and wear it, nothing will change. Even if you're little, you can do a lot. You mustn't let a little thing like little stop you. If you sit around and let them get on top you, might as well be saying you think that it's okay and that's not right. And if it's not right, you have to put it right. Rashad, you got emotional last year. I'm about to get emotional this year. Um. Matilda is so important for kids to see, not just because these kids are fucking incredible in what they're doing on screen. I mean, we've all seen the we've all seen the revolting children choreography and Red Beret Girl has gone completely viral all over the internet. But <laughs> Tim mentions message that just because you're little doesn't mean you can't make a difference and doesn't mean that you can't change the trajectory of your life and your story. And I think that is so important for children to hear. I just think every role was done with such care and confidence and with so much love for that message and for the story of Matilda. Lashana Lynch was a very close second for Best Actress this year for me for her role of Miss Honey. She plays it with such vulnerability and grace and her singing's incredible. All of the songs in the movie are incredible, but especially that final number that Tim mentioned wrote for the movie, the new final number, Still Holding Your Hand, was the perfect cherry on top of an already perfect movie musical adaptation. I loved this movie. It is an instant classic, and I am so excited it exists for kids today. Mm -hmm. It was on my long list. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was very, again, very sweet, very delightful. Yeah. Very sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm really happy for you. Thank Elise. you. I love that. Thank you. That yeah. movie, I mean, that story has always meant a lot to me, but this movie meant a lot to me this year. Uh, my number one of last year was Boiling Point. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy, which explains the last shift I did like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Oof, I'm so sorry. But I made it. I made it. I'm here. I survived. My number one movie of the year. I said I would talk about this last week. And I delivered. (laughs) (laughs) My number one movie of 2022 is Babylon. Wow. Seems nice. She is. She has no idea what's next. There's a new sensibility now. People care about morals. I've never done nothing except disappoint people my whole life. I made it on my terms, not theirs. We 
are going to be more than they ever bargained for. What I do, y'all. The streets are saying it's bad. <laughs> Talk to Twitter. <laughs> They're saying it's messy. They're saying it's a failure. They're saying it bombed. Maybe it did bomb. That might be true. <laughs> but if there's one thing that I've said repeatedly on this mic, except for my love for Scream, to bookend it, it's that I love a fucking dick swing. And this is the big swing of 2022 in my eyes. It's vulgar. It's brash. It's earnest, somehow earnest and also cynical at the same time. I ate all three hours and eight minutes of it up. It, it's just, it's epic. It's got Brad Pitt, Josh. Oh, it does. But since you does, dropped him, I'll pick him up. Does it have Colin Farrell? <laughs> he might be somewhere in there in the background. I don't know. <laughs> there are several sequences that are the best 30 to 40 minutes, I think, put on screen in a very long time. Chazelle has just been building to this movie and you can kind of feel that in the movie that he might not get to do something like this ever again, especially with the performance of it. But he leaves everything on the screen. I get that it might not be everyone's taste and I I don't know how you guys are all going to feel about it, but um, it's, it's electric. It's heartfelt. The ending is so gutsy, but I had to, I had to fall for it. I cried. I love it. Margot Robbie dancing in the middle of the room is the moment of 2022 for me. It, it's so well. It's just fucking good. Oh, I want to watch it right now. Babylon, man. It's a biblical reference about the fall of hot. I just, I fucking love it. Yes. Five more, please. <laughs> Babel five. Babel, Babel six. Um, and we're ending this episode with Melabella's number one of 2022. Last year, you chose In the Heights. Oh. Which is, you said felt like Christmas morning. Fuck yeah. Still does. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> <Stay on. laughs> what you got for us? Uh, my number one movie this year is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I've been passing our old house on the way to work. Like I walk by it every day. We have? Yes. And I feel really happy every time I pass it. And I just want you to know that. Like I have this urge to tell you that I had a really great childhood. And I think you're a really great mother. I hope you know that. I think that. And I also really love your new house. And I'm really happy that you're happy. Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> yes! Yeah, I think yes. I watched it at, what, the very beginning of the year. So I had to, like, triple check, like, what's that this year? <laughs> um, it's honestly a movie thanks to Rashawn, because I don't think I would have come across it by myself. A nice little indie, like I said, I would say it again, slice of life that doesn't end in a nice, neat bow. As cliche as it sounds, I think it's a movie that's like art that imitates life. And life does not always end neatly or nicely. You know, sometimes we go to the movies and 
that's what we want to see. That's why number four was a Fableman's where I want to see something sweet and nice, but then sometimes we want to see something that is a little heart wrenching or something that you can escape with because you feel like, yeah, maybe you're going through that too, or you can connect with these characters. And in this movie, not necessarily do I feel like I am going through anything that they're going through, but I feel like because it was so true to life, it just felt close to home in some type of way. And I feel like it's stuck with me all year. I think the writing is really great for it having pretty dramatic point in the story. It has a lot of really good comedic moments, which I think is sometimes hard to do. And I think it does it really, really well. That's my number one. Cha-Cha Real Smooth felt like a love letter to millennials. Like, Mm -hmm. it really did. I I was between... um, the scene in the bathroom at the dance Mm -hmm. being my standout of the year or the cinematography and aesthetic of Werewolf Within. But I was like, well, I just really hope (laughs) this movie is on either Mella or Rashad's list so we can talk about it. I'm so (laughs) happy it's your number one. Yeah. So good. The scene at the door between Cooper Wraith and Dakota Johnson is just so... At the end? So sad. Yeah. Yeah. But beautiful, and everyone's experienced like sobering heartbreak like that. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of got to pick yourself up and and like keep growing and keep moving on, keep maturing. Yeah, there's there's so much more life to be lived, and I thought he captured that really mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's what it. A we good did. year, you guys. What a good year for movies, dude. Yeah, he really did that shit. That's it for this very special top. 2022 episode of when cinephiles attack thank you to my three co-hosts love you guys love Love you you. my biggest thanks to you the listeners i always say it i gotta reiterate it we're here because of you we're here for you and there is absolutely no show without you at all so thank you Uh, goodbye to 2022 we are in 2023 we here bitch (laughs) let's see what you got you guys know all the stuff. Just follow us, like us, send us emails. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you at the movies. Bye. Happy New Year. <laughs>